Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Happy Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are at your place for the unfiltered experience with myself, Christopher Roush, the No Excuses Coach, and Scott Goyette. Scott David Goyette. And you guys are at your place where we have unfiltered conversations either with uh, just me and Scott or with an awesome guest. And this week, it's just me and Scott. So ladies and gentlemen, strap in your seatbelts, get something to write with because tonight's show is going to be very vulnerable, very impactful. And we really want to just bring a lot of opportunity for you guys to let you go that you're not alone in this challenge of what's going on in the world today, what's going on with our energy and our focuses and our perspectives and our expectations about life. Scott and I just want to have an honest conversation with you tonight about what they call the dark night of the soul and from what you guys have ever heard of that before the dark night of the soul is the opportunity that we get to go through in the challenges of our life when we think that everything is just so dark and nothing's ever going to be positive again and you know we just want to bring that conversation to you tonight so please take notes please ask questions if you so desire and if after this broadcast if you feel so inclined and you need somebody to talk to of course reach out to scott or myself we love you guys you guys are our unfiltered crew and we want to be able to have those conversations with you because we're all going through something right now and that's what we do here as part of the family is to bring you guys the raw and scripted the unfiltered the gel love now everything that we possibly <laughs> And to, to keep you guys uh, focused and, and keep your spirits up. So what's going on, Mr. Guayette? How are you doing this evening? Well, uh, like you, um, being in the moment, trying to figure out what's going on around me in the world. And um, I'm one of these people who never just looks at one thing. I'm always looking at everything, like in this big collective and how to figure out what's going on around me, where I'm at, how to save the planet, how to save myself. So... Uh, like you, a uh, very exhausting week. You know, we've talked about some of the things that um, are going on. I've got multiple let's, students before, who have before, lost. Before, before you start that, I want to I read, yeah, read, read, read this first. Read this first. Yeah, do that. Yeah, first. let's get let's get a job. So normally, um, I'm not a big fan of reading things to you guys, but actually this is something that is super, super important that I want you to get directly from the horse's mouth. And I'll share this link for you guys so you can read the rest of the article. But this is exactly what it talks about with the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul is a stage in personal development when a person undergoes a difficult and significant transition to a deeper perception of life and their place in it. This enhanced awareness is accompanied by a painful shedding of previous conceptual frameworks such as an identity, relationship, career, habit, or belief system that previously allowed them to construct meaning in their life. Very important. The dark night symbolizes an obscuration and the soul usually refers to an individual's true essence. In other words, the dark night of the soul is an obscuration of the true self. The obscuration may consist of a previous idea of what one believes about themselves or the world that is thrown into question. That's what we're all going through right now. Quote, there can be no rebirth without the dark night of the soul, a total annihilation of all that you believed in and thought that you were. And that is a quote by Hazrat Inyat Khan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. As we go on through the different stages of life, we are influenced by many aspects of our surroundings. From birth, the family impresses upon us a child a name, what the family believes and what is acceptable and unacceptable. We talked about that on the show about the conditioning process. Further, it goes on to say, the education system is further influences the child. In high school, the adolescent seeks the acceptance of the community as well as internalizes or rejects its values. At work, there is a role to play and at home. Many switch on the news or attend social gatherings where the topics of conversation can jump between media, the economy, or failures and successes of their peers. Personal goals may be the goals of everyone else to have nice clothes, a fancy car, a comfortable home, or attractive partner, and so on, without the thought of the why, what, or the how of their personal existence, right? We think about all the material things. 
A person who has bought into the regular motions of society can seem like it's on autopilot, guided by the ego and based on arbitrary and subjective, uh, subjective conditioning from the surrounding culture. Almost done. However, for many, there is a rude awakening. It could be a tragedy, an experience of non-ordinary state of consciousness, a person's faith flickers, as Ram Das puts it, a loss of sense of objectivity, objectivity, distrust in authority, an accident, career change, illness, or a realization that you do not know who you really are or what to do with your life. Or maybe you have everything you've ever wanted and you're still unhappy. Unfortunately, something shakes you out of your day-to-day -day limited perception of your life. One more thing, quote. The only way we can really approach this is to realize that when we have received the full conditioning of our society and have attained the physical maturity that perhaps will enable us to pause for a moment and try to find out a little bit more about ourselves. Usually, however, this moment of pause only comes when the physical or emotional reserves break down the structure of the so-called physical material industrial plane for living. Nearly, oops, hang on one second. Nearly always a crisis, a great disappointment, a heartache, a desperate illness. Hang on. These kinds of pressures that perhaps have been placed here to remind us that we have an individual existence, that this existence must be given expression or the life we're living will remain incomplete. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Goyette? I, I, I don't really like reading things, but I just think that that just nails a lot of what's going on in the world today. Yes. Um, so I would simplify that into saying this as each individual awakens and in that awakening, it is realizing they're in charge of their identity and not the people who have brought them into this world and, and given them a religion, given them a name, given them a place in society. When you start to say like, why am I here? What am I, what am I doing? Like, what's my driving force? What's my meaning? There's a light that's being shined on this world at this present time. And so those who are seeing the light are looking more closely at themselves because they've been illuminated. And so in seeing that there's an exhaustion because you start to say, Oh, wow, I'm, I'm only living at 5% of my brilliance, as I call it, or my gifts or my you know abilities. And in doing that, we start questioning, am I in the right place? Am I with the right people? Am I supposed to even be here? And because of that, we see partnerships breaking down. We see, you know, businesses starting to fail because the culture doesn't work. We see systems shedding, you know, um, in individuals. We see things breaking down, you know, education. All these things are breaking down because people go, what the hell am I doing here? So I'll give you a quick scenario of what went on for me this past week, which falls right into that. And, and the fun part of this honestly is the honesty from, you know, coaches saying that we're, you know, we're breaking down in the middle of it as well. Now I've had multiple steps of this dark night of the soul in my life of different, you know, events falling through a glass table, literally dying and coming back. I've had the blacking out on a TED stage, you know, where I'm like speaking about things that truly matter to me. Well, this Saturday, I was giving a speech to 150 leaders in Ohio, student leaders, and I literally started blacking out again. And I started feeling like I couldn't talk. I wasn't lucid. I wasn't clear. Where am I? And my interpretation based on curiosity and wonderment and the childlike being that lives inside of me, my, my quick determination between Saturday and today, so we've got a few days between that, is I was thinking that I'm not supposed to be speaking seed planting messages to groups, you know, 45 minute speeches or half hour speeches. It's great what we're doing here right now because we can give some information. But I think some of the things that I'm speaking about are so deep and complex that I need more time with people. So the universe is saying, stop handing them a hammer without telling them how to use it. Right. And that's that's my guess. 
and you know you got to try to do the curiosity interpretation so for me right now in the breakdown i think my identity is is kind of being illuminated that i need to be with smaller groups for longer amounts of time or even bigger groups for longer amount of time but the time component is something that i think i've been missing and so even these short bursts sometimes you know we have something you know sometimes we're onto something we're saying something here and i feel like it's not as as full and so people might almost get more confused and less closer to who they want to become so hopefully that mm -hmm. helps what do you think like where are you at this week i know you got some stuff going on too yeah um I, I can't remember if i said it on last week's show or not but yeah i mean and thank you for sharing that scott i mean that's that's something i mean and, and i love the way the way that you dug into that and went okay what is this what is this meaning what's the deeper root of what's going on here and what maybe do i need to let go of? maybe i'm not a short burst kind of guy anymore maybe i'm a long-term guy maybe i'm gonna do workshops and things of that nature find what it is that you're in flow with for me these last couple of weeks have been uh, just a constant turmoil last let's see a week ago saturday uh, I decided that I was going to quit taking my pain medication again. I've talked about it on the show that I did it back in February of 2020, I think it was. Um, and I just decided I wasn't as much pain as I as I have been. And I know that I'm taking these pills. I'm taking four Percocet a day. I'm taking um, so basically 40 to 60 milligrams of, of opioids every single day. And it was good. It was, you know, it was, I was going based on the conditioning of what my doctor said. My doctor has always told me, stay in front of the pain, Chris. As long as you take your pill, you take your pill before the pain starts, then you'll be okay. And I'm not one, you know me, I'm not one to be slowed down by anything. I don't want to feel any aches and pains. I just want to keep going, tape it and race it. Let's go. But I also got no point in my brain where I was like, and I would pick up the pill and I would literally have this conversation with myself. And I thought, okay, everybody's having a conversation with themselves. Hopefully that has some sort of not addiction. I mean, it's just my body's used to it, but a habit, a pattern, a behavior that no longer serves us. And I would sit there and I look at the pill. And I'm like, why am I taking this? I'm not in pain right now. I'm okay. You know, on a, maybe on a one to scale pain, I'm four. And that's way better than the eight that I was when I started taking them back again last year. And then I found out it was my diet and everything. So I've cleaned up my diet pretty much. But I sat there and I was like, why am I doing this? And I would sit there and do it. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it just because I want to feel normal and I don't want to deal with detoxing and all other shit. So that Saturday, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of doing this to myself. I tell I tell people and I teach people how to be unstoppable, how you can make a decision right now. And I'm like, I want to set the example so I can help other people do that because I know a lot of people are running to those short-term gratifications. So I decided that I'm just going to quit. And at that moment, I was like all feeling ballsy. I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then literally like six or seven o'clock that night, I took my last pill at 10 o'clock in the morning. And by six or seven o'clock at night, I was starting to regret. I'm like, okay, maybe I should have tapered off. And I'm not a taper person. It's, you know, I know that just for all you guys out there, I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending this, but it's just the way I roll. I just get done with things and I just stop and I just go through the hell. But honestly, since last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, I thought I would start to feel better. I know the Percocet's already on my body, but what it is is my the rest of my body is now learning how to adjust to operate without the Percocet. And now I've just been having night sweats and waking up in the middle of the night. My thinking is distorted. My talking is distorted. My focus is distorted. One minute I'm freezing, one minute I'm hot. You know, I'm just like all over the place. Plus to add to that, I've had some other, you know, things going on in my life that have made me sort of question where I'm at, and what I'm doing. Like, you know, am I supposed to be a speaker? Am I supposed to be a coach? Am I supposed to be a, a radio show personality? Am I supposed to do voiceover work? Somebody just introduced me to doing voiceover work. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I start, I'm starting to find myself at 53 years old going, okay, am I going to figure this out? Is this, And I know, and I know cognitively, I know with all my friends like you and everybody else, I trust and I believe that it's all happening and it's all on purpose. And I, tr I truly believe that. But physically, like the, the energy in my body is telling me like it wants to jump out of my skin. So I just wanted to share that with everybody because we're all going through something. 
And it's just really what Scott and I wanted to talk about is how we get through these moments and how we keep our vision based on where it is that we're going. So how is it for you, Scott, when you're thinking about going through this process, where is your mind at as far as, you know, healing on this journey for yourself? You know, you asked the great question, where do, where's your mind at? And I think your mind has to get out of it. And I think the embodiment and the heart needs to be where we're, we're focused at. So, um, I think, I think one of the, sorry, dog's barking like crazy. Apologize. That's all right. Mine's going to do um, it next anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So they can have a competition. Um, so sorry, I just lost train of thought. Um, my brain's fried take, right take, now. Take, take, take your mind out. You said take your mind out of it. Yeah. How, how ironic, is, right? But our mind is like the rabbit brain. It's like the, the central yeah. nervous system. Sometimes it's controlling all this shit. Well, that's, that, that's the irony, the irony of the whole thing anyway, is, you know, I'm trying to do a show right now and I'm trying to be focused. My heart, my dog's barking, nobody's stopping him from barking and just, he's just going to keep doing that. And that's frustrating. So I get stuck in there and I can't get out of my own way. Like somebody could take him right now and remove him from the house, but no one is doing it. <laughs> I have the same thing happen. It's all right. I tell my wife, I, I literally tell her, I'm like, okay, Hey, I'm going to go do my show. Can you make sure Ozzy doesn't bark? And then I hear the door ring and I can hear him barking and barking. I'm just like, how oh, well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess this show is not important to somebody else. No, it's just, it's frustrating. I'll be honest with you. One of the things that has been, that, that, that's, that's stressful for me is when you're in a space where you really need support and you really need help, the little things that you're hoping other people around can do, um, I feel like they're being missed. And, you know, you and I are people who are in service 90, 99% of the time to people, like constantly being in service to people. And then when you're broken, um, I don't know the things that I could really use the most people are missing and they're just yeah. throwing random stuff out there that is of no service. So I'm just yeah. pretty much mentally and emotionally and spiritually exhausted and figuring out what I got to do to just get into my own heart and do what's best for me. Mm. So I, that is, that is, uh, I'm so glad you said that because I will be, I will be honest on the show cause I doubt my wife will watch it, but, um, but I've had situations like just exactly like that, like not feeling good and like looking for just a little TLC. We're not feeling good. We want a little extra. Hey, I love you. Do you need anything? Can I do something for you? But when you get hit with snide remarks and you get hit with, hey, what are you doing with this? And what's going on with that? And have you thought about going back to work? That shit, when you're not feeling good, you're just like, wait a minute. You know, I'm constantly doing this. I'm constantly doing that. And and I think the important thing for me to recognize is that I usually am trying to be the bigger person. Like, all right. And I know you are the same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, let me roll it off. Let me roll it off. Let me roll it off. And we we've roll created so many things. Yeah, we've, we've created, created it. it. But the thing for me is I know that I need to have some conversations. I know that's for me one of the big things. If somebody I always think about it in this way, Scott, if you came to me or if somebody else came to me and said, hey, I've got this situation and it's my situation. But if somebody else is telling me that, of course, we're going to have advice all day long. We always have answers. Well, here you got to do this. You got to think about this. You got to do. So I'm sitting there going in my mind. I'm like, what advice would I give somebody? And I would tell them, you need to have a deep and honest conversation with yourself. Number one, get real honest with where you're going. And I just talked to my buddy Walt yesterday. We're going to have him on the show for his new book that he just got published. But I was just talking to him yesterday and he said, and he's kind of going through some flux, some big flux. He left his corporate job, six figures, same thing we did. And he was just like, man, I was just having this moment, you know, yesterday, like, can I really do this? He asked himself like some serious hard questions. And I was like, fuck, dude, you went deep. He's like, do I have the ability to do this? You know, is this going to be able to provide my for my family? Am I hiding? Some, you know, he was like asking some deep questions. I was like, well, what were your answers? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He goes, I'm committed to this. My wife's committed to this. We're going to do this. And so having those deep, meaningful conversations with ourselves to know where we're at first, but then communicating those expectations and, and, and those, those needs to our partners and to our friends and to our coaches and our mentors to make sure that we have support because, and 
unless we reach out, and this is something that I've challenged with myself all all my life, unless I reach out, then I don't get I don't get nourished. And actually, I just it was a uh, it was funny. I was talking to my buddy Jock, you know Jock, and he he texted me, asked me how I was doing on my detox, and I said I'm doing good, blah blah. And I well actually no, I didn't text him back. I sent a voice message. And I tried, it was funny because I knew he was going to listen into my voice and read into that. And sure enough, he called me afterwards and he's like, dude, he goes, are you okay? And I said, I'm good. I'm good. I just got some things. And he like made me spill it out. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk about it. And you know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. And so I just, and as soon as I vented and talked about it, just like I did here, um, I felt better. And I was like, you know what? That's what I need to do more of is, is just to be honest, just to be vulnerable, have those deep conversations with people. And if the outcome of those conversations is, is more pain and more, more, I don't know, challenge, then I just have to prepare in my mind that that's what's supposed to happen. It's if by not having those conversations, I'm just prolonging whatever it might be. So just have those conversations, cut the bandaid off and then see where we go from there. But that's the opportunity to heal, at least from what I can see in my journey. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, my, my coaching belief system is really all about mirrors and allowing people to lean into the emotion at hand and process that and get used to moving through those. So they're not compartmentalized and bottled up. And sometimes, you know, as coaches, as humans, as, as people, you know, we'll say, well, I got to compartmentalize this for this moment because I got to get through this. And suddenly we did it 20 times in a row or 30 times in a row or 50 times in a row. And here we are with this massive amount of pressure and no release valve. And so yeah. I think everybody can relate to that, that we've been sitting in that space because we say, well, I can't show people this or I can't do this. And so I think something that collectively we can look at as a world right now, and we say it all the time but this is a good time to place it in there again is to be authentic and transparent. And, you know, we do a decent job of that, but still not a perfect job like all of us, because there's a space where you're not going to say exactly what you think in front of Jackson's teacher. You're not going to say certain things with certain friends because then Barbara's going to be like, you know, they didn't need to hear that. And so you're always <laughs> kind of, you know, and it's not like you dump everything on everybody. Um, you know, we could look at like um, Will Smith and, you know, Jada Pinkett right now, you know, did we need to hear everything about their relationship? But at the same time, if you're going to see them in the public eye to understand what got there, so there's no judgment, maybe it's a benefit. Um, I'm not sure where the fine line is now, because do we want to know everything about everybody? And how do you slowly start to allow that to happen without it being insanely uncomfortable for all of us? And that's what's happening is we're, we're learning about people very quickly. You know, things about these people that we thought we knew, you know, we were like, wow, I can't believe they're saying that, right? I can't believe that this person's doing this or I can't believe that this person's doing that because we're all waking up and the language that comes with that awakening isn't always smooth. The, <laughs> no. The, the timing, yeah. And the timing isn't always smooth too. So one of the things I try to do in my awakening is be cautious with my language to, to still be gentle with other people. And sometimes I just want that to be reciprocated and it doesn't feel that way to me. Yeah. And so then I'm like, are you sure that's how you wanted to express that? I'm like, literally, I'm giving you a reboot. Want to do this again? Because I'm clearly not taking this well. And and then people are like, well, that's how I feel. Okay. All right. Well, that's that feels like shit. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for sharing that with me. Um, I would have rebooted that and said it a little different. And they're like, well, I'm being authentic. I'm like, I can be authentic and double check my word to be reasonable. Right. So as a teacher, yeah, as a parent, as a spouse, all of it. Yeah, because I mean, you, the, the words, the word, the power that words have, 
you know, I think you and I do a really good job of that is, is, is making sure that we don't react to something that is stirring within us and maybe like pause for a second. I know that's one of the biggest things that has helped me in my life, both corporately and personally, is, is to hit that, that, that stop button and be able to say, okay, what am I feeling? How am I taking this personal? How can I phrase this in such a way that I'm not going to be reactionary and not incite something in them? And that's something I've had in my marriage. I've had something I had, you know, back when I worked with people who are challenging in the corporate space. But once I learned to hit that pause button and then really stop and say, okay, help me understand that a little bit better. Where is that coming from? Where can you tell me a little bit more about that? That gives me an opportunity to sit there and say, okay, maybe I'm going to rush to a decision based on some preconceived or some historic situation that happened like this before and go, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Um, and be able to hit that pause button and ask more questions so I could better understand and clarify. And sometimes I've done that and it's been the same original message. It's just now we're just getting to the root of things. And it's like, okay, Boom. now we got something to work with. Now we got something to work with. But I think a lot of us avoid that stuff because we're already dealing with enough. We don't want to deal with any more. We're looking for opportunity to, to, to get some. You froze for a second there. I'll give you a second to come back. Oops. When uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, that's weird. I just rebooted my computer. Um, if I'm trying to figure out where I'm at and if I hear some truth that doesn't sit well with me, then I know personally that I want that. But I know personally at the same time, you're just like, okay, God's going to give me one more thing. And I just sit there and I believe in my heart of hearts that as I go through these experiences, these dark night of the soul, that it allows us to have these conversations. And then on the other side of that, and we've gone through this together. I mean, we've known each other for a couple of years now. We've done Friday Night Live. So we've gone through different experiences in our life um, where we've, we've had challenges in our personal life. And we've come here on here and talked about it. For me, it's like being able to say, like in my mind right now, with every way I'm feeling right now, is I know in a couple of weeks I'm gonna be like, yes, 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 it was worth it. It was fucking tough, and, and there was days where I wanted to scream and and, and just like really just be frustrated, and I just want a, a break. But now I made it, and that's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that life is always going to be challenging, and it's gonna it's gonna provide these opportunities for you. It's all about your perspective, seeing the long term vision, not seeing what's happening right now, but being able to see the long term vision. I think for me, Scott, I go back to regret. I think about the point where I'm at now and some big decisions that I might have to make here probably about a year or so, whether or not I go back to work or whatever is what would my legacy be good with out of everything, out of every single thing, relationships, my son, everything, what would my legacy be good with? Would my legacy be good with X or Y? And when I think about it, my immediate response is like, there's no way, there's no way I could go back to that space. But at the same time, we have to be practical and whatnot. For me, it's like knowing if I'm doing my best and I could admit and say, I'm not doing my best right now. I'm doing the best I can in the moment, but my best can be so much better. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to quit the Percocet because I wanted more, you know, clarity and everything to get these courses done and get, get the, get the book done. Uh, I got two more chapters to write and then the book is done. So for me, it's just about having that legacy and not having any regret because time is flying by so fast. I just met a guy at the gym today, he's 73. And he's like, and I said, I, I said, I'm 53. And he goes, dude, I was just there a minute ago. And it just like, all of a sudden I got this anxiety attack, like, fuck, you know, 20 years is going to go by. And I don't even know how to describe it, but what is that for you? What keeps you focused on the long-term goal? The timeless self, the timeless self does because, you know, time's a construct here in this human existence. And so we put ourselves here to perceive this illusion of linear time and just to play in this game and you know from a to z so you know from 53 to 73 as you just explained you know that goes by in a blip because it is a blip so when i decide what do i want to fill into that space what drives me is 
the thing that I've you know said a million times, we tightened up our missions, like we created a tight mission. Mine is empowering those who have lost hope and are struggling to find their brilliance and share it with the world. So as that happens, I want to fill in as much of that as I possibly can between that 53 and 73 or that 73 and 93. And so as long as I'm doing that, I'm very driven, um, you know, to the point of what happened this week. I love kids. I've got student leaders. I think that kids get it more than adults, what we're teaching. They, they pick it up quickly. But as I was speaking, you know, I, I think the whole thing was you, you can't just give kids a tiny bit. And I know you're about to go do, you know, do the same thing this weekend. It's very interesting because there's a fine line between if we give kids a tool and then walk away, a lot of these kids who need it most have already been abandoned in some space. So there's been an abandonment by a guardian, by a coach, by a boyfriend or girlfriend. Someday they already have this like loss and this rejection feeling. So if we hand them a tool and walk away, it's another feeling of this didn't work either, even though we think we're giving them something great. So, you know, to the answer of, you know, what's going to drive that for me, everything that is supporting the growth of humanity for those struggling through the dark night of the soul or any other experience they're going through to be able to support that so they can find those gifts, their brilliance, their, what they're supposed to be here sharing and help illuminate that and empower them to find and use that. Mm. Um, and then that's a weird thing because I'm getting redirected by the universe and that's why you got to get out of here and into here. And we can even see it now. I'm very much up here. I'm getting a reacting, reacting to a dog. I'm frustrated about things around me because I'm, I'm sitting here while trying to migrate here and I'm bouncing back and forth inefficiently at this time. Mm -hmm. So what do you find? Cause I know that, you know, we've talked a lot about breath work, meditating, things of that nature is, do you have a go-to things? I, like I was just talking with a friend of mine when I was at the gym and she's like, you know, you really need to meditate through this. I mean, put some binaural beats on and I know it, but I don't necessarily make the time to do it all the time. So what is it for you? I mean, how do you able, like in those moments where you're just feeling like, do you journal? Do you go for like, I'll go for a walk. That's another thing I do is I go outside. I'll listen to music. Um, I change my, I change where it is that I'm at, go for a drive, um, and, or help somebody. I know helping somebody will actually change my physiology, but it's not necessarily addressing that thing. So, uh, so everything that you just said, I would say is much better advice than what that woman said to you, because to say that you need to do one thing is, is, is such tunnel vision from their perspective. You know, I preach meditation a lot as one tool. I love breath work as one tool. I love moving into nature as one tool. I love athletics as one tool. Um, all of those are tools. So you've got to play with what works for you. I mean, I, jo Johanna was saying that last week, you know, we spoke with her and she's right on point. Meditation can be different to every person. What I would do is try something, you know, different than you usually do. So what I've been doing is at a random time, I'll just do some breath work. I'll be in the locker room and just do like two minutes of breath work, you know, just, just by myself. And then I'm like, see what happens. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, if it's something that usually you do in your routine in the morning, plug it in midday, maybe don't do as, you know, 40 minute session, maybe do two minutes, maybe do a one minute meditation of just speaking your I am statements, just be like, I am worthy, I am enough, I am creator, just say that for 45 seconds, see where that takes you, none of it can hurt you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. something is better than nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I was gonna say, well, one thing I did do last night that was weird, was I've been waking up and not sleeping well for a while. And you know, you said you were experiencing some of the same things. Oh, yeah. I literally, instead of sitting going, what the fuck is going on and, and repeating the, the voices that are around me, I literally just started creating I am statements to try to put myself back to sleep. 
I don't do that in the middle of the night. I do that in routine. And I was like, why don't I do this more? So now when I wake up, I'm just going to literally create I am statements like I am creator. I am abundant. I am love. And I was just saying them kind of just like in, in my brain. And I think eventually I fell back to sleep. So, you know, instead of counting sheep, throw some <laughs> I am statements out there. Just nice. one more tool. I yeah, I've been doing that's when I that's when I wake up in the middle of the night and I literally have to go back to sleep. I try not to take another muscle relaxer. Mm. Um, like this morning, I woke up at three thirty and I went. I tried to go back to sleep, couldn't. My monkey brain was going off about the event and traveling and everything else, and um, so I took the one muscle relaxer and then I just started doing the deep breathing, just the the four seconds in, hold for four seconds, exhale. Finally went back to sleep. But to your point. And I've talked about this on the show, something that I have not been doing as much of lately. And I talked about that. I've done it religiously is wake up before my eyes open, say what I'm grateful for, and then set my intentions for the day. I've found probably in the last couple of weeks, I've done it probably about 80, 85% of the time, but also I'll catch myself. I'm like, I didn't even do that this morning. I just woke up, started thinking about Elon Musk owning Twitter, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine, you know, what's going to happen in the 2024 elections. It's like all of a sudden just shit starts flying into my brain and I just take a break and I'm just like, okay, Chris, how would you feel right now? This is one of the greatest questions I ask myself. How would you feel right in this moment if you knew X, Y, and Z was going to happen June 10th? How would you feel right now in this moment if your book hit the bestseller list in November? How would you feel? And you knew that after that book got, you know, how would you feel right now? And honest answer is I, I would feel grateful and I would know that this moment is preparing me for what's next. So if I stay mired in the bullshit, I'm not going to get ready for that next moment. And so God, source, universe is saying, hey, dude, I'm giving you a break right now. You don't have anything going on. Look at that as a blessing. Don't look at that as scarcity or lack or, or fear. Look at that as I'm preparing you for what's next. You keep doing what you're doing and you're going to get blessed with what's next. So I keep that in my mind through those challenging times. And the secondary part of that and I did this last night. I didn't mean to do it, but I just looked over at Jackson and I thought, man, I am setting the example for him. Whether it's right now, whether it's when he's 10 years old, when it's 15 years old, when he's 22 years old, whatever I do right now is going to set the table for what he's going to believe in, what he's going to see. And I sit there and think in my mind, think about corporate, think about this. I'm like, I would never in a million years say, yeah, Jackson, you need to get a job just to pay your bills so that one day you could take a vacation and ignore it and then go back to your job and do that until you figure out what you want to do in your life. I know I'd be like, dude, go do it. Fucking live in a trailer. Do whatever you got to do. Live in an apartment with 10 other guys. Follow your dreams. Don't fucking get into that bullshit. It's all a joke. And you don't get to retire one day and have this, this mecca like we're sold as kids. Like, oh, yeah, do your hard work. Go to school. Da -da. He's in school right now. And I'm already seeing his homework. And I'm like, in my brain going, why the fuck? He's going to spend all this time in school learning ABC. And, you know, not that I mean, the ABCs are good. But, you know, when he gets into quantum physics or whatever, I'm like, okay, we got, at least for me, I'll be able to teach him the emotional intelligence part. But, Long story short is I sit there and look at him and go, he's going to come. If, if I tell him to go after his dreams and if I don't go after my dreams, he's going to be like, dad, well, you gave up on your dreams. Boom. And they see that yeah. more than anything else. And, yeah. and I'm just like, so how is it with Kayla? I mean, you've got a teenager now, so there's a lot of that going on. Is there any impact in your thinking as far as, you know, what you're doing with her and the example you're setting for her? Yeah. And you're, and you're right on both pieces of, piece of advice you gave, we know with the gratitude and like saying, if I'm in this space that, um, that time to take a break, there's nothing going on right now. Beautiful time to build the structure of what I'll be when I do have, yeah. you know? And so that's all going to come. The, the Jackson advice is perfect too. Um, what you're doing, setting ex examples, huge. And with Kayla, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm, I'm always cautious to, to say that, you know, when somebody, especially as a child or a student is great because of what you did, you know, there's an impact, but at the end of the day, we know great parents who have this psychotic kids. We, mm -hmm. We've all met one, 
you know, and yep. there might be one in the public eye that you're like, I don't get it. Like they're the best parents. So what's going on? So you, you've got to give that, a, you know, it's a two way street, like the kids, their own person. So set that example, you're correct. And then they're going to be their own person on their own journey. Um, right at this moment, we are insanely lucky. I've, my, my, my child is an incredibly great human being. She works, she wants to pay for her own car. She's got more than a 4.0 and those things aren't important. Like it doesn't, I shouldn't say they're not important, but I'm not going to love her less if she doesn't do all that at all. Right. And I tell her every day, I literally say, I am blown away by who you are as a person. She always goes, you're biased dad. I go, no, I'm not. And so her big joke is because I'm always just telling her how amazing she is. Yeah. And she's like, you're so biased. I'm like, no, I'm like anybody from the outside looking at you, like you do nothing wrong. The things you do do wrong are based on curiosity and adventure. The things we should all do wrong. It's it's falling down because you took a step. So right. I, I feel immense. Both of the things that you said about the gratitude in the morning and looking at Jackson, I'm massively grateful to watch people successful that I can be somewhat of a light for them, um, you know, and, and give them full credit for their amazingness whether it's mm -hmm. Jackson or Kayla. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that's the, the thing that we're trying to tell you guys is tonight is to have a big enough why. When you have a big enough why, you get through these moments and sit there and say, okay, what's my why? My why is Jackson. My And like right down to the nail point, like yeah. my why is Jackson. My why is to provide. My why is to set stability. My why is to, to, to teach them about relationships, teach them about how to respond under pressure. Um, you know, because I noticed that lately, now he's he started Kung Fu, he started martial arts and and I'm not hard on them, but I'm also, I've also read a lot of books about child development. I also have talked to a lot of parents and like, if you don't want to see it at 13, don't, you, don't, you better not see it at five. One of my friends told me that. And so I think about that, like, like, okay, I've got a window right now. He's old enough now. He's five years old. He understands. I got to be a little bit tougher about him. You know, he's got two speeds, slow and stop. And I'm like, it's my responsibility to make sure that you are, you have a sense of urgency. So I'm a little bit tougher on him. But I noticed the other day, he did something and he did it wrong and he got so mad at himself. He was like, oh, I suck at that. We were playing t-ball. He goes, I suck at this. I'm so terrible. I mean, he kind of had a meltdown. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, man, my wife said, you know, sometimes you're a little too hard on him. I'm like, well, I'm trying to mold and construct. I don't want to be too easy on him and have, you know, what I've seen what my friends go through. Like, oh, man, I wish I was tougher on my kids when they were younger. Yeah, it sucks. So just trying to find that balance. But also I'm like realizing like, am I being, am I too caught up in my own anxiety and stuff where I'm like, okay, I got to do good with him you know, and put pressure on him where he's just a kid. So I don't know. Did you experience that when Kayla was younger? So that's a, that's a really good question. And, and in the mistake of the teachable moment, I think one of the best things to do is like, if he comes back and says, I suck and go, well, well, let me ask you a question. Did you, did you try your best? And if he says you tried your best go, there's a million things we're going to try in life. And some of them, we're not going to succeed initially. Some we might never succeed. And that might not be for us. Keep trying if this is something you like, and it's going to work out for you. And then let them kind of reframe it because here's the natural reaction. I mean, like I'm an athlete and I go to play golf and I, and I suck. And you know what happens? I'm like, this is bullshit. I hate this game. I suck. I don't never, you know, cause cause you're upset that you, it's, it's a, it's a sport that even though you might be good at all these other things, there's so many athletes who suck at golf and you just got to deal with it. And so you'll see a lot of adults act like five-year-olds playing golf. <laughs> because we think we're supposed to be good. Well, if I'm good at this, I should be good at this. It doesn't work that way. So that might be a lesson in itself that maybe this isn't for you or maybe it's not for you yet. So all the same shit we're preaching. Um, and I saw that with Kayla, it was, it's weird because she was actually decent at basketball and she's a really good runner. And so I wanted her to pursue that, but that's not where her enjoyment was. It was in art and other things that are creative. 
So I'm almost like, I want to push her. And I, I didn't. I said, I don't care what you do. Just do something and do it well. And I'll support it. So even though she left the things that I wanted to support, I had to walk with her over to the creative side of living. And that was weird because I really want to be a coach of hers and push her to new limits in um, in sports. But that's not what she wants. So I have to shut the hell up and deal with it. Well, before, before we close out the show, let's talk about that. Cause that's one thing I wanted to bring up is identity. So would you say that it was maybe part of your identity? Cause we talked about, you wanted to have a boy, you had the name mm -hmm. picked out, you had, a, so as part of your identity, be that dad, right? Did, did you find, do you find that your identity has shifted as a parent now recognizing that maybe you don't get to do the things that you wanted to do as a dad with her? Like that was part oh, of my yeah. identity. Oh yeah. So yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you process that in your brain is like to shift? Cause I think that's important for all of us. Yeah. It's like, we had, like they said, like I read at the beginning of the show, you know, our identity, you know, our construct of who we are. And I think the thing that we can get out of this show today and this conversation today is the fact that, you know, our identity, our identity is constantly evolving and flowing and ebbing. And the more we try to fight that, because you use that analogy that I love so much, you know, either hanging on the tree. I mean, talk about that. You say it so eloquent. I, I'd say it to other people and I kind of butcher it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I will say real quick to, to answer the question, then I'll go to the analogy. But to, to answer the question about Kayla, did it bother me? And it was it part of my identity at a breakdown. It was actually I'm speaking it like it wasn't, but it was pretty damn easy because my unconditional love for her is so real that whatever mm -hmm. she wants to do, I'm going to support it. So I'll look for two minutes and go, but I want to teach you basketball. And then I'm really quickly, I'm doing her artwork with her. Yeah. Um, it, I can see other people who don't realize that their identity isn't an athlete. It's just one piece of them could be a real issue. Now I thought it would be an issue. And then it wasn't once I saw her. Um, the big thing about the tree that we always talk about is you've got the tree of certainty, the tree of life that has supported you since day one, yeah. aka your identity. You know, when I think of me, I think of things that validated me were, were athletics or, you know, um, being funny or being the life of the party. Like that's, yep. like, I hid behind that. I, mm -hmm. I sat behind that, this little kid going, I'm, you know, I'm scared. But when I do this, people go, you're cool. Yep. And so, yeah. And so in that moment, that's that tree. The moment you say this tree that has served me so well, I'm just going to step away from that and jump into the reality of life, which is the river, the fluidity, the ongoing, ever changing. Tomorrow is going to be a different day. You know, the whole thing, you never jump in the same river twice because it's moving. I go in a bathe and come out. I go in a second later. It's a different river. That's life. And so the minute I'm able to walk away from that tree and get into that river and say, yeah, that was those great. I like having that identity that served me and then laugh at it, that's what I was able to do. So it made me realize I, I am able to jump the river. But I also think from time to time, I'll be passing a tree along the river that looks like the old tree. And I'll run up on the shore and be like, is anybody looking? You know, uh -huh. just for my little illusion of bullshit comfort, bullshit comfort, like, well, maybe she'll want to do sports. Maybe, she, you know, something like that or whatever right. it is that comforts my, my ego for a moment. And then I'm right back in the river. So my suggestion is look at those pieces of your identity that don't need to be in place. I don't need to be defined as an athlete or funny or, or jovial or good on a stage. I'm just a human who's experiencing some stuff that I'd love to share with you. And hopefully um, it inspires and moves you and whatever vehicle in which I do that is fine. Whether it's here with you again, that's not even totally true. It's fine. As long as I can get deep with it, I've got to be cautious about, throwing the tool out there and walking away. Right. Yeah. And that's what I love about the show is we're planting seeds. I always think about, you know, when you're talking about the kids earlier, 
I think about planting seeds. Like, you know, if we say something in such a way that, you know, one kid in the audience gets it, you know, I, I used to go in there like, I'm going to, I'm going to press all these kids or I'm going to press the entire audience. Now I just look for a few key individuals in an audience and just sit there and say, okay, today, either I'm going to impact you totally, or I'm going to plant some seeds that may germinate down the road and you may come back to continue the conversation with me, but at least I'm providing those tools and in contributing to the overall progress of society. But you're absolutely right. I mean, especially with the kids nowadays, I mean, they need, they need consistent, you know, role models. I just heard a horrible story st study that was saying something like 70 to 80% of the kids in the foster care system, you know, are going to wind up in prison or something. I'm like, mm. Oh my God, you know, it's just so crazy what the opportunity we have for these kids um, and us adults that we have these opportunities to, to change where it is that we are, change our perspectives, change our expectations and get in the flow of life and get into releasing, you know, what is no longer working, part of our identity that no longer serves us, like you were saying. I was the same way. I was like, as long as I was this type of person, you know, I was always successful. I was always funny and did a life of the party, you know, Hey, come on, Chris, come do some stupid stuff. And now I find myself not being that person anymore, but at the same time, I'm not hanging around those people anymore because I'm continuing, I'm continuing to progress. So I think that's one of the things that we could share with the listeners and the viewers tonight is just continue to know that this journey is going to have its ups and downs and that what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger for you guys listening on the podcast. It's a tattoo that I have on my forearm that I did back in 2016 when I was going through a dark time, I was sitting there questioning, should I be a coach? You know, I stopped coaching for a while. I was doing my nine to five. I was trying to be quote unquote, a normal person. And I tattooed that on my arm. Cause I'm just like, you know, God, I'm so sick of going through this shit. You know, I've gone through so much shit in my life. I'm like, what is it going to fucking stop? It's never going to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going to change is how you process and perceive that and the actions that you take proactively rather than reactively. And that's what Scott and I are trying to tell you guys tonight is the fact that we too go through those things and we're coming here vulnerable and sharing our souls with you guys, whatever we can do to help you guys, please reach out. Scott does group coaching programs. They're amazing. I was a co-partner in some of those and saw the, the value and saw the transformation and what the people go through, you know, can connect with Scott and go through that. If you need a one-on-one -on -one co one -on -one coach, hit me up, you know, the point is, is don't stay stagnant and where you're at, you know, make sure you have a team of people. Um, Scott, you talk about the team all the time. We got to make sure we have the right people around in our lives to be able to get through these challenging opportunities. But for God's sakes, guys, don't do it alone and don't run to your short-term gratifications, hoping, wishing, and praying that one day it's going to go away because it's not. The fact of the matter is, is you need to have those challenging conversations. You need to get clear with yourself and you need to make some sacrifices to get to where it is that you're going on this hero's journey. Absolutely. 100%. And, and, you know, one thing to add too, I think that the struggle will always be here at this level of vibration or this frequency. I do believe that as we elevate in frequency, that we can minimize that struggle. And just think of a sine curve. You know, you've got a sine curve that goes like this, you know, and that, so this is the straight line. I think what happens is we start to experience peace and joy and inner peace. And so it's, it's kind of goes like this. So you won't have those big breaks so even in frequency thinking of a frequency i think what's going to end up happening and this is what i trust is that once we start to find joy in every given moment everything we do we won't need that high that's going to come with that low the struggle so i think we'll start to balance here so you might be like ah oh, that's beautiful nothing crazy needs to happen you just need to be present in that moment and then the thing that might balance that to create that polarity won't feel like a struggle it'll just be a momentary I tripped on a bump and I'm okay and I'm back at it. So I think a lot of the things we're seeing is because we've been really trying to experience this to the fullest and we're grasping at things and we're all over the place. And once we start to, I don't want to say calm down, but come to a center point and just be at peace or at ease that we'll see less and less of what we call the struggle now. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said, Scott. 
So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, connect with us. Go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Again, www.theunfilteredexperience.com. We're here every single Friday. Join our Facebook group. Join the community there. Engage with us in the conversation. Let us know what type of topics, what kind of guests you would like us to have. If you've seen somebody on a particular podcast that you're a fan of and you think they would be great for our show, send us their contact information. We would love to have them on here and continue the conversation with you guys. I mean, that's what we do this every single week. We're obviously not doing it to get paid. We don't have ads. It's about a conversation that we have here to be a source and a resource for you guys as we all go through this collective journey together. Scott and I appreciate you. We love you. Make sure you're sharing the show out. Share it out with a couple of words of advice on your social media. We would appreciate it. Tag us in it. And we would love to uh, to give you some sort of little gift as a token of our appreciation. So if you do that, share it with us. And that way we can help you guys out. But just stay kick-ass, stay classy. And we know that we are all going to make it. We love you guys. We'll see you here next Friday night. The Unfiltered Experience, Chris and Scott. Peace. Peace.